Hi, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of June 6th, D-Day, mm-hmm. 2011. This is episode 106. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing agency that puts on the podcast. And I'm joined in studio by co-hosts... Jackie Ritaco, account coordinator with Interval. And Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. And one more person who we'll introduce here in a second. But first, some important news. <laughs> Don't forget to join me for Building Your Brand with Wellness, part of the 2011 <laughs> webinar series from the Forum for Healthcare Strategists. No, that's serious. I'm not making that up. You think I'm kidding about that? It was kind of an interesting sidebar. Yeah, and it's real. Wednesday, June 15th. So that will be next week mm-hmm. as you listen to this podcast at 11.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So that's going to be with Chris Boyer, who's on our last podcast, because mm-hmm. we skipped a week. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> for Memorial Day. Yes, thank you, Chris. And also Rhonda Mann, who is Director of Marketing Communications at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. So those two will be sharing case studies around wellness, and I will be just talking about wellness in general. Cool. As I want to do. <laughs> so we'll provide a link uh, where you can go sign up for that. Should be Awesome. <laughs> Riveting. And the other piece of news is we have a new member of the Interval team, mm-hmm. our intern, Brooke Anderson. Hi, Brooke. Hello. Welcome to your first podcast. Thanks. How's it going so far? Um, it's a little interesting. Haven't, <laughs> haven't had to speak into this sort of microphone before. <laughs> Ever before? Nope. I suppose a lot of people have never. It took me a while to kind of get the hang of it. I think we need to include a picture of these microphones in the show notes. All right, let me iPhone it up here. Are you going to do it now? Nobody's <laughs> listening now. Well, we'll need the the picture needs to represent this very moment, right? We could recreate the moment <laughs> if we want. That's not authentic. We could stage it. Come on. So, Brooke, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a student at the University of Michigan, going to be entering my junior year, and I'm studying communications and psychology. And on campus, I'm very active in my sorority. Um. Now I'm interning for the summer here at Interval. Cool. So are you a, are you like a big Wolverine sports fan? Very much so. So you're thrilled. <laughs> you're thrilled then. I bet you know. I wonder if you guys know about Ohio State. Yes. Right. Okay. So Brooke knows. Goodbye, what Trestle. Happened? Yes. Their football coach got, <laughs> he got caught cheating. And cheating apparently he's been cheating. On his wife or for, cheating in the game? Cheating in the football <laughs> okay. program. Uh, which, of course, if you're a Michigan fan is... Glorious news. Pretty exciting. Yes. Right. right. That's like the arch rival or what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, like blood sport rival. That's a great movie. This happened I when I was abroad. <laughs> What's that? This happened recently. It's been kind of trickling out. Okay. Uh, and it kind of came out and then he lied and said I didn't know anything about it. And then he said, well, I didn't know something about it. And now all this other stuff is coming out. But what makes it even sweeter for Michigan fans or anybody who doesn't like him is... Madison fans. They call him the sweater vest because he always wears a sweater vest. And he preaches about ethics and integrity. So he's built a brand around doing things the right way. You know, isn't it... I love it. It's almost become obvious that that the first people who need to be investigated for violations of ethics are those who preach the importance of ethics. Like every time somebody Mm -hmm. gets blasted for being unethical, it's always the person who is like preaching how important ethics are yes though i'm gonna ask brooke would you rather have had jim trestle as a football coach for the last 10 years or the slew of 
terrible Michigan football coaches <laughs> um, <laughs> like Rich Rod. Yeah, I don't know. Probably just because he's associated with uni- or Ohio State now. Never no. would have taken him. <laughs> um, but we'll see how this next year goes with a new coach. Yeah. I do believe his record was 10-1 and one against Michigan in his 11 years. That's not too shy. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Brooke. It'll be a good summer. And chime in. You've heard our podcast, so you know that Mm -hmm. chime in whenever is appropriate. Whenever you have a comment. Feel free to rudely interrupt. Yes. (laughs) I never do that. No. What? It's better to chime in when inappropriate than when appropriate. This is true. In fact, that's our motto, inappropriate <laughs> contributions, All right, which we have good. one. We have an inappropriate talker today. Perfect. Perfect. But first, we're going to get to something a little more appropriate. Aww. Top three trends driving digital shift in hospital marketing. So this came from who? You, Jackie? Did you find this? I don't know. Nugget? If I did, I didn't read it. so this is from healthcare it news and it's actually a story about oh boy access interactive so that's an interactive marketing digital development company in connecticut that uh polled hospital marketers about traditional digital marketing channels and there's some really good stuff in here and there's also some things that are worthy of derision so, so they surveyed hospitals, and for example, based on the feedback, they're predicting that by 2013, um, traditional digital marketing channels will flip flop in terms of import, in terms of importance. Mm-hmm. Which you could argue that they're already flipped in terms of importance, but I think the point here is that uh, hospital marketers will consider it more important. Right. So, for example. Uh, of hospitals currently use traditional channels such as print, direct mail, and radio for marketing. That is insanely low. Only two-thirds? Do we really believe one-third are not using print advertising? (laughs) It does seem pretty low. Uh, So I don't know what that means. But this, I believe, only 9.9% use search engine marketing, Mm -hmm. display advertising, and social media. Well, that's probably low for social media, but definitely search engine marketing. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening now, and the survey results show that by 2013, so roughly two years, 36.6% of hospitals will shift to online marketing, and basically half will say their marketing budgets will be split equally between online and offline, to which I say, yay. That's not the first word that came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll believe it when I see it, is what I was thinking. I hope so. Yes, yay. But I don't cool. know. We're a pretty slow-moving bunch. 2013, huh? We should mark well, it on the calendar. Well, the world yeah. will end before then. <laughs> it'd be interesting to know. It'd just be interesting to know who was sampled, like who the people were who were asked. I mean, as we know, that we're in an industry that has a fairly uh, there's a lack of sophistication on some level within the marketing realm in healthcare. Um, and not, that's not necessarily to say that to rip on healthcare marketers, but a lot of people who work in healthcare marketing didn't come from a marketing background. Um, it was just something they mm-hmm. were kind of charged with. Uh, so I think, and I think a lot of those types of people tend to, they see what's going on. They assume you're moving in a certain direction, which is based on 
what? I mean, what, why, why, I mean, do, do the people who assume that they're going to start moving into digital marketing, whether it's, whether it's using social media more, whether it's getting into a search advertising, do they assume things are just going to go that way or do they really believe that that's the right thing to do for their organization? I mean, what, what's driving these answers? That's it's to me, it's, it's a pretty strange well, it says there was 100 respondents, which is a decent number. But you've got to th- wonder who, to your who point, answered. respondents, yeah. Because I don't know many VPs that are going to answer the Access Interactive survey. Maybe. Right. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't say. So I think that's a good point. If this is a bunch of younger um, folks that have just come into the industry, then I think it's, it's skewing these numbers upwards. Yeah, or if it's a, you know, a bunch of older folk who are sh- shooting in the dark, and you know, I, don't, I don't know, I guess I'm assuming it's going to go that way. Everyone says I should be on Twitter, so well, that's what. Yeah, I I should answer this way. That's a problem with surveys, right? But so uh, see, it says the survey shows this long-awaited but fast-moving shift is a result of a confluence of three major trends: one, the rapid proliferation of digital channels such as social, video, and mobile. I don't know about rapid proliferation, but. Two, increased demand for marketers to step outside their traditional roles and improve the customer experience on other platforms, including those that have long language, such as the in, intranet and patient portal. Yeah, yeah rapid proliferation. I mean, these, these, these only, tools have been here for like a decade now. <laughs> only 10% use... Well, ten, 10 years is rapid proliferation in the healthcare industry. Oh, we're going to get snarky on this, aren't we? <laughs> Number three, a desire yeah, for increased marketing productivity, including the use of integrated marketing, more meaningful business results-focused measurement. Okay, so we're all over that, right? Mm-hmm. But then, but then, one of the quotes from somebody at Access I have an issue with. Quote, one thing that stood out to us was how much traction video seems to have as emerging tactic. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Thanks to the tangible benefits and ROI that it delivers for organizations. <laughs> I have a thing about ROI, Brooke. Okay. <laughs> ROI has to mean there's money yeah. in your pocket. You have to right. show that you brought money into the organization. And I, I assume, like any online content, if it's set up the right way, that you could track it through. Right, but I don't yeah. know why video... I think, I think what they mean by ROI is basically... You got how many views, right? Which is not ROI. <laughs> right. Just take that to your CFO. But this video got six thousand views. <laughs> I don't care. Allies. I don't care. So I don't know. It, it was just interesting because I most of this supports what we contend. You ought to be moving in this direction. Though we did have a laugh about the title of the survey. Yeah. First annual crowdsource survey on emerging market. Because <laughs> I asked, isn't crowdsource survey redundant? <laughs> All surveys are crowdsourced. Are they not? Unless because I have this understanding. That would be... A- crowdsource is where you get a bunch of people and you get all of their feedback, ideas, input, whatever, to I come su- up with like a collective <laughs> yeah. direction. Well, I suppose the, the, the only difference could be the way... Like with any... any survey that's worth it worth its weight um the way that you select i mean you're supposed to randomly choose your audience right it's supposed to be a random sampling of who would answer this question or who would be meaningful to answer this question right so if you're depending on how you choose i mean choosing that sampling is is like there's like a scientific method behind that right i mean to making sure it's actually random on some level if they're crowdsourcing by just throwing this question out on twitter and facebook um and that's kind of what crowdsourcing has become 
okay. known as today, now you're not really grabbing a random sampling anymore. You're Good just point. kind of, you know, throwing it into the wind and seeing who responds. But so again, if you're throwing it into the wind on Twitter, <clears throat> then clearly you've skewed the Right. Yeah. Results. I mean, if, if social media oh, yeah. is where you're getting your responses, clearly they're going to be, hmm. they're going to be weighted well, maybe that direction. It's not redundant. I just think a survey is being, yeah, if you're getting to the actual statistical, though so many surveys don't meet that. Right. No, criteria, oh, but yeah, that's true. Interesting. Anyway, we'll provide a link to it. There's a full report that we didn't access. Yeah, nothing, Jackie? <laughs> you don't want to know more? You just wait. You're ready to get to the next <laughs> I, one, aren't yeah, you? I'm, <laughs> there's a better topic approaching. This is an awesome topic. How, how should I introduce this? I'm trying to, I want to lead up Do to it. Do it justice, will you? Oh, here, this is perfect. Because they, all right, so this is a story from the Daily Mail. Now, Adam, give us some background on Daily Mail, because I've never heard of it, but you made an interesting statement about the Daily Mail. Uh, well, I, I've run across story, or been linked to stories there several times, but I've never really, it's never become like my go-to source for news, though mm-hmm. I read um, recently, and I'm not sure where, but I can dig it up, that the Daily Mail was recently reported to be, it's, that it's posed to become the number one online news source in, in the world. Now, what that's based on, I'm not sure. Um, I know it's been around for a while. I know, like I said, I've been linked to it several times for fairly good stories. So I don't you know. You mean as measured as the number <laughs> of people who follow it or Yeah, or something. Subscribe there might even be some, there might even be beyond that. I'm not sure. Um, I'll see if I can find out what the justification was for that. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes. I think these guys put it in good context. I'm just going to read from the story, which was from May 30th. As the third most common cancer type in the U.S., raising awareness of screening programs is undoubtedly important. But Washington residents were turned off by a series of billboards for colon cancer, featuring a person with a pained expression and the line, what's up your butt? (laughs) (laughs) So this was in Yakima, Washington, and it was uh, an effort to raise awareness about colorectal cancer. Colorectal. That's a toughie. Colorectal cancer. And encourage people to get screened. And so apparently, yeah, they, they got these billboards up. What's interesting is some board, who was it? Health board members from uh, two counties, Benton and Franklin, approved it. Right. It went up, and then they voted to say, no, we don't approve it. Right. Because as one of them said, this is awesome, they crowdsourced their opinions. <laughs> uh, we got several complaints, Small said. We're going to do what the taxpayers wanted. Several complaints. Do what the taxpayers wanted. Whereas they probably had, what, a handful, five complaints, maybe five to ten. To ten. Let's, take a, let's be aggressive and say they got ten complaints. Right. So I'm going to guess 95% of the taxpayers there could give a crap, no pun intended, um, <laughs> see how many puns we can come up with or liked talker. it or yeah. thought it was powerful or, or made them smile as they drove by what is so offensive about it really well it's just the, term the butt? word butt what's up your you what's know? up your butt I mean, not offensive to me but well they shouldn't have shown the they show a picture in the story of the billboard it's better the than woman showing a butt the, what's that it's better than showing a butt <laughs> <laughs> true that's true but why? What, what's with the pained expression? See, that's the that's the problem. That's I as suppose. much the problem as the headline, because then you're thinking that she is experiencing what the headline is suggesting. Right. Right. Now Pain. we think that she's showing a pained expression because she finds it offensive. Maybe. 
that was well, after I, yeah. reading the story and seeing her face, the first thing that popped into mind was that has got to be the face that these offended people are making right now <laughs> by looking at this billboard. To me, it didn't come off as a pained expression. It was like, oh, what? It's pained. I guess. Or confused or... Yeah, well, what strange. is this thing in my butt? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. What does it lead you to? That's why it's offensive. I guess I would just start imagining, well, what could they possibly be talking about? And then you think about, well, it's about colon cancer screening. So then if I have colon cancer, what is up my butt? <laughs> that's not pretty. That's, that's pretty. You got to admit, that's pretty ballsy. It is, but people need to calm the hell down. Yeah, well, I know. That's, I mean, I think that's the, yeah, the, that's world the moral a, of our story. The world will be a better place when people who are offended by this stuff are... Right. A long gone. And to the, to, to the bigger point of the board saw this, approved it unanimously, mm-hmm. and then when people complained, they took it down. Right. So first of all, you're not supposed to be beholden to the masses. You're supposed to lead the masses if you're an elected official. So this is the kind of stuff that needs to get discussed, these kind of screenings. But you couldn't have imagined when you voted no. unanimously to support it <laughs> that somebody might have a problem with it? Yeah. So why were you surprised when a few people complained and then said, "Well, we better take it down"? That I'd send if and if I were the hospital or the the organization that put these up, I'd send the bill straight to the uh, board that approved them in the first place and then demanded they be taken oh, down. Definitely. Go, oh, here's the bill. You can t- you can go ahead and cover the cost here for the thing you approved and then told us we had to take down. Well, Amen. now they're in trouble because apparently when they scrambled to, to vote it back out, they did it. You know, somebody like sent an email. It was like an email discussion, and somebody. I don't even know who these people are, but like pulled them. Do you want this down? And they all voted to down via email. So now the open government ombudsman for the state attorney's general office (laughs) said, Tim Ford said, it sounded like the board had conducted a meeting by email, which is a no, no under Washington's open government law. All meetings Um, have to be noticed and open to the public with emails. You can't do that. So in other words, they, they were in such a panic that they broke right. protocol. They right. broke the law. Oh, my goodness. What's up their butt? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's, so it's I think down that's a now. great story. What's that? So it's not running anymore. I don't it think it's running like, anymore. Yeah. And so one of the board members says, I do not like turning around and having negative publicity about information we weren't given properly. So let's see. He says, on Wednesday, board member Sean Small said he believed the board was mis the board, so not the billboard, county board, was misled before the previous vote by being told the billboards would go up in Benton and Franklin counties regardless of whether the board supported them. That's just lame. So in other words, you thought you were told, we don't care what you think or say or vote. Mm-hmm. This is going up. But you have to vote. So, so then yeah. they all vote yes? <laughs> if, you, if you believe that, wouldn't you just say, well, I'm still voting no, because I want it on the record. I don't agree. You wouldn't go, well, you got it. So I'll go ahead and support it. That just sounds like they're just mad scramble, which yeah. is a shame. I wonder if that gets anybody to actually get screening. It'd catch my attention. Yeah. At the very least. I think if so. I was a kid, I'd probably go look it up online. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is this? Maybe, maybe I wonder what the complaints were. They have more kids checking it out than they do like older adults. Kids would probably think it's pretty cool and it's direct and yeah. it's authentic oh, yeah. like and it's, it's funny. It's funny. I've seen far more offensive billboards than that. It still were not because they're lame. To me. 
Yeah, lame offensive. Yeah, lame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or because I can't read them or... <laughs> Yeah, because the type is so small, you can't right. read it whizzing by on the highway. Typhoon, this is pretty darn big. You definitely would be able to read that. Oh, well. All right, well, how are we doing on time? Do we have time for the last one? Yep, we're good. Okay, so this is one we mentioned when we were talking with Chris Boyer. So this is a little bit old, but uh, this is about the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, publishing a blog post on zombie preparedness. <laughs> for the zombie That's apocalypse. Cute. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. So I'll read from, this is from Healthcare, Reagan, Healthcare Communication News. So they wrote a little blurb on it. Um, Funny. So here's what the CDC said. Quote, if zombies did start roaming the streets, CDC would conduct an investigation much like any other disease outbreak. CDC would provide technical assistance to cities, states, or international partners dealing with the zombie infestation. (laughs) This assistance might include consultation, lab testing and analysis, patient management and care, tracking of contacts and infection control, including isolation and quarantine. It's likely that an investigation of this scenario would seek to accomplish several goals. Determine the cause of the illness, the source of the infection, virus or toxin, learn how it's transmitted and how readily it's spread, how to break the cycle of transmission and thus prevent further cases. And then they go on to kind of, I think their point in doing this was, they go on to kind of tell you how to prepare for any mm-hmm. outbreak. And so some of the suggestions are common, no matter whether it's zombies or vampires or aliens or hepatitis B. Whatever, you know, like have a emergency kit and mm-hmm. have your, your escape zombie kits, which will include a chainsaw and a shotgun. And lots yeah, of the organization said you should have an emergency kit for zombies or tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes. Apparently, they're all the same form from a preparedness standpoint. See, that's really- well, you, you, in a, well, in the case of a hurricane, you'd probably want to board up your windows, right? So you'd need lots of like uh, wood, plywood, nails, and hammers. So, yes, and a hammer Chainsaws. gun would be great for yes. zombies. Yes. <laughs> you should also pick a meeting place and plan your route of escape. You want lots of food in your basement. This reminds me of that movie that scared the crap out of me. Which one? There's so many 28 days. movies. 28 Days no, Later. No, the one with Will Smith. Oh, that's good. I Am Legend. Yeah. Have you seen... Ooh, that um, freaked me out. Oh, it's the comedy. Not Hot Fuzz, but the same guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Shaun, Shaun of, of the, the Dead. Dead. That is a great movie. What's great is that the zombies <laughs> are like all over, but they're, you know, like slow zombies. So they're just like walking around. Yeah. You know, because they can just like avoid them. Fairly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they eventually they get in trouble. Yeah. But then his one friend gets bit by a zombie, but then he doesn't... And his, he keeps him like chained up in the shed (laughs) and they're playing like playstation at the end i haven't seen that movie it's really funny that is good we won't give too much away in case you want to actually watch i am legend is good it's got one of the scariest scenes ever and there's classics like uh night of the living dead that's like from when the 70s ish probably i would i would put um i am legend somewhere in the top five i put 20 days later near the top i would put um probably the dawn of the dead the remake in the mall that's really good I, I haven't seen some of those. I've only seen the Twenty Eight Days Later one. Yeah, yeah, that and that was, was that, that was a freak. Oh, God, yes. that was freaky. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Freakier I am legend I am is not legend, zombies. Though. You need. Yeah, I have to. I have to. Yeah, say. that's like a literal disease. Isn't it's it? a disease that just turns people into creepy murderers. Well, it isn't. Oh, it was so scary. Yeah, yeah. That's when he's like, like chasing his dog in the warehouse. He's got the flashlight. Oh, that's such a. And he's looking scene. for his dog, and then he like looks in a room, and there's like a whole bunch of them huddled in a. 
they're like sleeping and they're bouncing up and down, breathing. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, it's like and it's disturbing. Just, and he like covers up the flashlight. <laughs> People screamed out loud. I was with a yeah. guy. We watched that. And he was like, in the, in the theater, he's like, no way! Like, out loud. <laughs> it was really creepy. Those are the best moments, though, when, when you're in a movie. It, you, you hate it when people talk during a movie or make sounds, but when there's like a, because you have that common bond where it's like, that's what you wanted to say, but somebody else just said it because you didn't right. say it all that. That's when I'm okay with people talking in the movie, what it's like. When they say what you a want reaction. to hear. Oh, yeah, or it's like a reaction because they're like literally partaking in the movie, not yeah. talking to their I'm gonna friend on the phone. I'm going to completely date myself, but there was a movie called Savannah Smiles that probably came back out in like the early 80s. And we were in a town where there was only a few theaters, so you were limited to what you could see PG. Okay. So this is one that as like teenagers we went and saw. Uh, and somebody must have seen it already because there's a scene where somebody's in the kitchen oh. and somebody like shoots in the kitchen. Um, but they're at a window. And, yeah. But right before the shot comes, they like go down. They like bend down and pick something up. And so it misses them. And so right when the scene's happening, somebody shouts out like, Duck! And the person like goes down. <laughs> and it was, everybody laughed, even though they were ruined the moment. It was pretty funny. That's kind of funny. There was, um, I'd let that fly. I think, it was a Harry, yeah. I think we went to see a Harry Potter movie as an office break a few years back. Um, and there was a handicapped guy in the theater who was mentally handicapped. So it was like, you can't, I mean, now, now it's somebody you literally can't get mad at because they're not, right. Because they've got a handicap. And he was like, literally had read, clearly was a Harry Potter fan and had read the books and knew exactly what was going to happen in the movie. And he kept throughout the whole movie, kept calling out like, <laughs> oh, this is going to, you know, it was like, just shut up. <laughs> I feel I feel bad getting mad at you and I can't say anything but just shut up yeah. but he was a spoiler for the whole movie he was a spoiler whole yeah. movie that's kind of funny I oh, read wow. the books and even I got mad when my friend I went to the movie with would tell me oh this is the part when yeah, this like, happened oh I know I don't I don't remember what happened <laughs> right exactly don't ruin it for me I mean, they changed some things in the movies yeah, a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, when you're reading a book, you can read people's minds, and that's how you get. That's how the you know the, the movie needs to fill in holes that you don't get filled in in the book by, you know, getting so much more. Well, they even so. change like what happens. Like I think in this final Harry Potter, they add a whole critical scene that's not in the book. Sure. Interesting. I, I just I don't even know what it is. It just said something like, "For those of you that need like a f- more physical confrontation, you're going to get that, even though it wasn't part of the original story." So mm. I assume that's Harry and Voldemort, like boxing or something or like <laughs> physically like not just doing the spell bit well, but there's two just totally different methods of storytelling that they have areas that overlap but there's so much you can do in one medium that you can't do in the other it's hard to translate a story yeah. perfectly from one to the other but well it's, it's always interesting to see people try try yeah and fail no we don't want them to fail we'll give a well, shout out to game of thrones yeah, it's doing yeah, a fantastic so far, Game job. Of Thrones is doing if you're a, a geek job. like Adam and I, and you like medieval <laughs> well, fantasy. Well, I'm not, so no, I'm <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. No, I know. I, you, if you don't have HBO, you, you probably can join any time. <laughs> you have to be male and geeky. geeky, and yeah, yeah. But they oh, definitely played us. Yeah, I ha- I do. I will have to say it had the longest, most uncomfortable sex scene ever yes. on HBO. Yeah. I was like, Game holy cow. The last yeah. episode of Game of Thrones, yeah, because Glenn and I were watching it, and she was just kind of I like, timed it. I watched it the second time because I watched each of the episodes, and I timed this thing, and it was like eight minutes. <laughs> and it's, and it's yeah. a normal part yeah. of the – they're like having conversation, and it's building the story. But, wow. Yeah. It was a little gratuitous. It was Everyone's gratuitous. Everyone's going to go look up this episode Which now? is why I said they really played at the geeky male – 
Yeah. Well, even even geeky males were probably like, all right, this has gone on long enough. <laughs> There's one way to fill out a plot, but wow. All right. Well, on that, we better on that end note. before we go any further. She's been inaugurated. In trouble. Yep. Rook is now officially part of the... Officially, You're an arrogant officially bastard. A health yeah, that's right. <laughs> so until next time, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Ritako. Adam Meyer. Brooke Anderson. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.